God our Father and from the Lord Jesus, dear friends. The part of God's word that we'll give our attention to today comes from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. Since it is a record of our Savior's words and works, I invite you to please stand for our reading. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. So one light had been dimmed, but the light of the world continued to shine. John the Baptist had been thrown into prison, and this was a direct result of the message that he was sharing. John preached repentance. He called people to turn from their sin and unbelief. He pointed them to the Lamb of God who would pay the price for them. John was a voice crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way for the Lord. And John did his preaching without fear of his audience, without regard for his own well-being. And so John even confronted King Herod about an adulterous relationship that he was living in with his half-brother's wife. And because of that, John was thrown into prison. Matthew gives us the details a little bit later in his gospel. He says, Now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. So one light had been dimmed. But the light who overcomes all darkness continued to shine. When Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, he returned to Galilee. We're told, leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum. So Jesus left that area around the Jordan River where John had been doing his work, and he headed north. This wasn't due to fear on Jesus' part. He wasn't trying to escape the reach of King Herod. I mean, Herod's authority extended. 
even up into this region too. The light of the world cannot be dimmed by the rulers of this world, no matter how much they may oppose him. After all, the rulers of this world owe their positions of authority to Jesus to begin with. Besides that, this darkness, this opposition to the message that both John and Jesus proclaimed, it wasn't confined only to the palace of King Herod. It was found throughout the land of Israel and really throughout the whole world. But in the midst of that darkness, the light would shine. And for a time, it would shine most brightly in this region of Galilee. Matthew tells us that Jesus came to this place in order to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. So many years earlier, the prophet Isaiah had foretold that the first beams of light from the Savior would shine in this place that historically had been so dark and dreary. This place that he calls Galilee of the Gentiles. See, about 1,500 years earlier, when Joshua had divided up the land of Canaan among the 12 tribes of Israel, the two tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali were assigned a portion in the northernmost part of the land, what was called Galilee. And as a result of that, they were always on the front lines when invading armies came into the land. God had warned his people again and again that because of their idolatry, because of their rebellion, his judgment was coming. And that judgment often came in the form of foreign invaders. And so when the nation of Assyria overran the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 B.C., Zebulun and Naphtali were the first stop. Once that nation was conquered, so many of its people were deported and transplanted into other parts of the Assyrian Empire. And in their place, the Assyrians brought in foreigners, Gentiles, to be resettled in the northern kingdom of Israel. The result was that in Jesus' day, this area had a mixed population. Thus the name Galilee of the Gentiles. Besides that, this part of the land was the farthest removed from the center of worship in Israel, the temple in Jerusalem. And so all kinds of false religion and mixed religion was commonplace in this part of the land as well. But even in that darkness, the light would shine. As I said before, it would shine most brightly in that very area. You know, Matthew describes Jesus' ministry in this place like this. He went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. It just goes to show how serious God is about His grace and His desire to save. Here in this place, where the results of God's judgment over sin had been felt so profoundly and for so many years, the light was shining. God had never lost sight of this place. He had never lost sight of these people, but continued to desire and work for their salvation. Jesus came 
to this very place. These people who lived in such darkness would get to host the Savior of the world for so much of His ministry here on earth. They would get to hear His preaching firsthand. They would get to witness so many of His miracles with their own eyes. God's plan of salvation unfolded before these people. From fishing boats to their synagogues, from working men to lame men. The light of Christ shined in this dark place and was not overcome. It's a great comfort to think that God would cause so much light to shine in a place that was so very dark. I mean, the fact is, the world in which we live today is not so much different than that Galilee of the Gentiles. All sorts of different people with all sorts of different ideas about God or no ideas about God whatsoever. And yet in our country, God blesses us with the freedom to live our faith, to share the message of Jesus freely in this world. He's given us the wealth and the resources and the technology to send the message of Jesus to parts of this world that many of us will never even get to visit. Those areas that are darkened by materialism or atheism or apathy or this false religion in general. For us as God's people, that light continues to shine for them. It's a great comfort to think that God would cause so much light to shine in places that are so dark. Because we know the darkness that covers our own hearts and lives at times as well. Whether it's those same old sins that we fall into again and again, whether it's the guilt of sin that weighs heavy, on our hearts, whether it's the consequences of our sins that come home to roost and cause us all kinds of pain and difficulty in our lives. Along with that comes a certain degree of darkness. There's this temptation to think that maybe God has sort of passed us by now, that we had our chance, but now it's gone. I'm sure there were times when the people of Zebulun and Naphtali felt that same way. It's one of Satan's favorite tactics. If he can't convince people that they are so good that they don't really need a Savior, then he works to convince us that we are so bad that there is no Savior for us. But it's against that dark backdrop of our sin, our hopelessness, our helplessness, that the light of our Savior Jesus shines most brightly. He calls out to every heart darkened by sin or apathy or unbelief with this simple message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's the same message that John the Baptist proclaimed. It's a call to recognize the sin that's present in our hearts and lives, to confess it, and with sorrow to acknowledge the offense that it causes God, the pain that it causes those around us in this world. It's a call to turn in faith to the Lamb of God who takes away all sin. It's God's powerful call to come out of the darkness and into His wonderful light. The kingdom of heaven is near, 
Jesus told the people of Galilee. And the kingdom he's speaking of was not an earthly place, not a physical realm, but rather that spiritual realm where Jesus rules in the hearts of his people through his gentle yet powerful gospel. Since Jesus was on the scene in Galilee, preaching the good news of salvation, then the kingdom was near to all those who could hear his voice. Their escape from the darkness, the darkness they were in then and that eternal darkness, their escape from that darkness was at hand because the true light was shining all around them. The fact is, the kingdom of heaven remains near to each one of us. Through his word, through the messengers that he sends, whether it's pastors or our fellow believers, Jesus continues to issue this call for us to repent. He doesn't leave us in the darkness or let us just keep returning there over and over again. Instead, he calls us into his light and calls us to remain in his light. And so it follows then that this is a call that we want to be hearing and heeding every day. He gives us our brothers and sisters in the faith, our fellow believers in a congregation like this one, to help us, to guide us, to encourage us in our way through life. But if we ignore their words, if we keep ourselves away from their company, what help can they really offer us? He gives us His Word as a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. But if we keep it closed or open it only rarely, how much light can it really shed in our lives? If we place anything and everything in our lives and in the lives of our children as a higher priority than our time spent in God's Word, then how is it going to guide us through this dark world? How is it going to lead us home to eternal life? The true light cannot be overcome, but it can be ignored, and often is. And so we need to hear that call again to repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And we praise God that it has come near to us, since by God's grace we live in that light. Then we also know that we have a call to show that in our lives, day in and day out. And what an example we see in that from Jesus' first disciples. What an amazing response they demonstrated when the light of the world called out to them to follow him. This wasn't the first time these disciples had met Jesus. They had seen him before. They had heard John the Baptist talk about him before. They had seen John point to Jesus and say, there's the Lamb of God. But now the light of the world came to them directly and called them to follow, leaving everything behind, their work, their families, their homes. And just like that, they did. It shows the power of the light in the hearts and lives of his people. Now, not all of us as God's people have received this same call. The light of the world hasn't called all of us to follow him in full-time ministry. But he has called all of us to follow him in our daily lives in this world. He's called us to turn away from the darkness of apathy and laziness and misplaced priorities that come so easily to us. And instead to devote ourselves to his word of truth 
and to the work of his kingdom. In our homes and at work with our friends and families, in our neighborhoods and congregations, he has called us to live as people of the light, to share with those around us by all that we do and all that we say, the true light who overcomes all darkness. In that way, God's love reaches its goal in us. That's what the Apostle John was talking about in our second reading today. He said, if we claim to know Jesus, then we must live as he lived. That means loving God above all things and showing that in our everyday lives. It means loving our brothers and sisters as ourselves and showing that in our everyday lives. When we do that, God's love reaches its goal in us. The light that has shined in our hearts is reflected to the hearts and lives of many others. And more and more darkness in this world is dispelled. Jesus is the light who overcomes all darkness. Whether it's the opposition of the sinful world, the guilt or condemnation of our own sins, or the apathy, laziness that threatens our sanctified living. All of that must submit to the true light. When he shines with his unmatched love and his life-giving power into every corner of our hearts and lives, that darkness has to flee. That's what John said. The darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Praise God that he has brought us into the light. By God's grace, may we remain in that light both now and always. Amen. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.